Welcome to Kush Chat. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Kush Chat with your host, Keon Torres. We just hit 40 fucking episodes. We are approaching the end of January. Anyway, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in each and every Thursday for Kush Chat. We have an amazing guest for you this week. He is the hip-hop messenger. And before we get to this interview, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Yo, what it do is Charlie Uptown, the hip-hop messenger, independent hip-hop artist, up-and-coming actor, a.k.a. God's Jedi, curator of the culture, builder of the culture, seeker of knowledge, student of the game. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, bro. That's what I'm talking about. My brother, it's been a minute. How has life been for you? Life has been good. Life has been real. Pretty much sums it up. But uh, as of lately, I'm just uh, proud to be a young father, a husband. So in 2020, that was like the biggest blessings for me in the midst of all the chaos. I got to marry my queen and I, God blessed me. God blessed us with our first seed, our firstborn. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> Yo, my brother, that's beautiful. First off, congratulations. Double congratulations. That is fucking amazing, man. And it's just, you know, fucking amazing. And I'm fucking beyond happy for you. I appreciate that, bro. Truly appreciate it. Thank you. Hell yeah, bro. Now let's talk about how we first met. Now this is my side of the story. And then you can tell your side of the story. Okay. It was at a poetry open mic in Spanish Harlem. And you and I were like the only MCs there rapping. Because it was like a bunch of poets and shit. Yeah. So... When I fucking saw you, like, rapping and performing, I was like, yo, you have, like, as much passion as me when it comes to the stage. So I was like, fuck yeah, man. And like I said, we was, like, the only rappers. So that it was fucking dope. And then we networked and we exchanged, like, our info and shit. So it was fucking dope, bro, like, meeting you. I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot coming from you because one thing I admire, I admire about you and I've always reached out when I had events for you to perform your energy, like you know how to work the crowd, people tend to react to your energy, your charisma. And at that event, that was my second performance of 2013 and just my second performance as being Charlie Uptown. But uh, I believe, yeah, that's the first time we've, we've crossed paths. And then after that, I'm not sure, did I reach out to you to become a guest on the show or we just crossed paths at, at another event? No, I was going to say, yeah, I think it was definitely like another event. I think it was like a city college event that you hit me up about. And like I went and I think I did like one song and you performed as well. I think it was at city college. It was like a different oh, type of city yes. college event. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know. The first event was, was at a, um, somebody from city college was part of that, that group and that organization that, that hosted that event. And then the second event was actually at city college and it was like some, uh, awards ceremony i'm not sure what it was but it was a one of the clubs one of the student clubs and we me and you got to sit together and um yeah that was that was right. 23 yeah that's early on 2013 damn that's crazy bro so, time so seven just fucking years, flies seven, seven years that yo I, that's I crazy bro time just yeah. fucking flies man that is fucking crazy rap is what you do for hip-hop it's what you it's how you live it's a lifestyle so hip-hop is pure culture and Hip-hop is poetry of the streets. It's something about being born and raised in New York. Just always been influenced growing up to Hot 97, MTV, BET. It was all around me. I mean, I'm the oldest of my siblings, so I pretty much was exposed to it, direct contact from the streets or television, because I grew up watching a lot of TV and rape and hit, listening to the radio. But early on, my biggest influence that just captivated my mind in the midst of all the artists and all the music that I would hear was Wu-Tang. You know, Wu-Tang, 
from the fashion, the slang, the the comic book style of of just the illustration on their on their on album covers, like on the Jizzle Liquid Swords, all of that. As a young kid, because I was, you know I'm an '80s baby, so when Wu Tang was out, I was like 10 years old. Perfect time to be exposed to that. So early on was Wu Tang. Wu Tang forever. You already know, bro. Wu Tang's for man. the children. Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a living proof for that. You know, like Wu Tang inspired me, and I believe I've been on the right path in life. So they influenced me in, in a very major positive way. No, that's a fact. And like you said, like hip hop is like a culture. It's the way you live, and it definitely it was for me as well. Growing up in Harlem. Now tell me about your upbringings. Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Washington Heights, New York. That's uptown Manhattan, the, the neighborhood right above Harlem. I was born right there in the New York Presbyterian Hospital in the heart of Washington Heights. I grew up in 164th Street and Broadway on the uptown side of the street. You know, growing up, my parents are Dominican. My parents been in the um, United States when they were early on, early teens. So my parents went to high school out here in New York. You know, I just grow, I moved, I moved, actually, I moved around a lot. I predominantly, I predominantly lived in Washington Heights, Manhattan, New York, born and raised, but I lived in New Jersey for almost three and a half years, from nine, 1992 to 94. I lived in the Bronx after I was 17 years old for nine years. And, um, and for the last 10 years, I've been living in Yonkers. But uh, no matter where I rest my head, or, you know, my, my wife now, she's from the Heights too. Like, no matter where I live, it was like, I got to go back to the block. But now, now it's different. I'm a homebody now. <laughs> Especially during <laughs> these crazy-ass times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's a fact, bro. That's how I feel. Like, I live downtown now, but I always still have to go to Harlem or even Washington Heights and Dykeman because that's, like, a third, second home to me. And it's just, like, I have to go to the same barber. Like, I can't go to this, like, white people Chelsea barber. Like, no offense to white people, but, you know, Dominican barbers are the best barbers, hands down. I always tell people that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel you, bro. Nah, that ass, bro. So, but back to like Uptown, because that's where we're both from. What do you think of the state of gentrification in our neighborhoods that we grew up in? And what should we do to help those who've been in New York struggling and have lived there forever? It's the rent. The rent is too high. And that's the major reason. We moved out of the Heights in the year 2001, like a few months before the whole 9-11. We moved to the Bronx to a house. So... At the time, we lived in a two-bedroom apartment on 163rd Street between Fort Washington and Riverside. That's prime real estate. And right now, I can imagine what the rent is. Back then, uh, at, at 2001, the year 2001, we was paying like 1200 for two, a two-bedroom apartment. Then we moved to the Bronx and was paying pretty much the same for a three-floor house with a backyard, front yard. Shit. So that alone is what gets people to leave um, their neighborhood and other people come in that are not Dominican, non-minorities, and they find it to be a good deal, good price. But one thing I'm not appreciating about this whole gentrification in Washington Heights is how the real estate agencies, they, uh, the way they market it, they, they try to upsell the neighborhood by renaming certain parts of the neighborhood now. Now they, mm -hmm. there's an area in Washington Heights where they want to call it Hudson Heights. Oh, hells no. <laughs> You know, what's, I know we're next to the uh, the Hudson River, but this is Washington Heights. Like, that's it. There's no sub uh, neighborhood within the neighborhood. It's just one big neighborhood, Washington Heights. From 155th Street to 193rd Street, from river to river, I have to stress this, 
Much respect and love to everybody from Dykeman and Inwood. They know, but a lot of people from outside of the Uptown area are confused because they see the same flavor. They see the Dominican diaspora throughout, and they, they feel it's the same. But the people from that area are very prideful of their title and their, their neighborhood. And so that's another thing, too, that gets um, mixed in the whole gentrification and, you know, upselling the neighborhood with certain names and avoiding other blocks because it might have a history of, of crime or violence. But it, it, it's real. You know, the rent is high, but we still out there. Dominicans predominantly, it's, just a, it's a predominantly Dominican neighborhood. You still have some Puerto Ricans, African-Americans, Mexicans, others, uh, Central American, other Southern American people. But predominantly Dominican, we're still out there. The presence is, is strong. Like, it's always been strong, but yeah, the rent is very high, and I'm afraid to to what that neighborhood's gonna look like in 10, 15 years from now. No, exactly, and every time, like, I go to Washington Heights, it's just so live, and, like, everybody's outside, especially during the summertime, like, everybody's, like, in front of their building, playing dominoes, smoking hookah, just chilling, drinking, smoking, like, you know, they're living their life, like, that's part of the culture that's Washington Heights, and it's just, you know, now a bunch of people that aren't minorities they're moving in and they're also making complaints saying oh it's too much noise like people don't understand like you know we're used to people blasting music till like four or five in the morning it's just the way shit is and you know we just get accustomed to it we adapt to it yeah that that's that's major key right there is understanding the culture and what you're signing up when you move into the neighborhood because a lot of people come with their pre-notions and expect a certain lifestyle but this is not the neighborhood you're moving into this is a neighborhood that at one point was voted the loudest neighborhood in the whole country. Yes, Washington Heights, you know, like I, I, I personally feel, it's an opinion, New York is known as the city that never sleeps. That makes that saying very true. And I believe Washington Heights is a major part that what, what makes that saying true. Because you go to Washington Heights and you can go to the smoke shops, the restaurants, 24 hours. Hell there's yeah, a, best bodegas ever. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of spots in the Bronx or in Brooklyn that are closed down. I mean, they still got the 24 hours delis and stuff, but I, I don't know. I just feel like Washington Heights, there's just like a life to it that adds to that, to that same New York, the city that never sleeps. Personally, that's my opinion. No, that is a fact, my brother. That is a fact. Now, what do you think of the state of hip hop right now, both mainstream and underground? I'm kind of upset with hip hop because being that it's a passion, it's a dream of mine to add to the culture, to be a part of the culture, to contribute to the culture in any shape or form. Because, like, you know me from doing radio, hosting open mic, doing my own music. I just want to be a part of it, some shape or form. And the sad part is sometimes when you meet people within the culture that you grew up admiring, they're like, there's a saying, you live long enough and some of your heroes become monsters. You get to see some mm -hmm. of your heroes become monsters. And... And sometimes I, I'm skeptical of, of introducing myself or approaching people within the culture or celebrities because you just never know the energy. I guess what I'm trying to say, long story short, it's the message within the music. I guess I'm getting out of age and now that I have a child in the world, plus my mind has been gearing like that for years, I don't have the same taste or appetite for the messages in the music anymore. It's like, it's like that saying Hudson Flow, like the chick told the main character DJ, like sometimes I, I need you to mess with my head and I'll let you mess with my head. But you know, yeah. and that's the thing with music. You get like hypnotized or you just forget 
what they're really saying and you think it's cool because the delivery, the slick of the words, the, the metaphors, the bars. And at the end of the day, it's like, what, what are we listening to? What, what are we bopping our heads to? So it, it's kind of hard, you know, and and just to wrap it up. Yeah, like High 97, the, the radio is all the same. It, it's 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 rotating music. It's, it's program music. So me personally, when I listen to music, I, I go on YouTube. And if I know you drop something, I go check it out. But I pretty much stick to classic music. But I, I actually like to stay aware. I'm very aware of all the artists. But at the same time, there's a lot of violence. The state of hip hop. That too. All these artists are getting like one by one, either shot or robbed or the feds is rushing them. And it's like ever since 6 9 got quiet on Instagram, all these rappers are getting <laughs> like rushed. That is true. So, I feel like fucking 6 9 is a fed for me. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like somebody's telling like, you need to lay low, be quiet, plus you can't keep spending all this money on security, and you can't keep up. We already know your sales are not all, all 100% legit, and at the same time, we're coming for a lot of people, so you just might as well count your blood and stay quiet. That's my opinion. I was like, it's kind of ironic at the same time you got quiet, all these other rappers one by one, but uh, no, music is not the same as I, what I like grew up listening to, and yeah, and it's just a message. I, I wish we had more representative of, of positive music, of art, of hip hop in its true art form. But everything that's either you're super gangster and that's what we're gonna push, or you you can appeal to the girls and be, you know, pop. It's either way. It's like there's no middle ground. And when there's a middle ground, that person like fades away. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's kind of weird because I noticed you know, growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s, you know, it was that era. But, you know, a lot of people, a lot of rappers were actually gangsters, you know. And there were some rappers who were, like, fake gangsters, too. Don't get me wrong. After that era, that's when we went to, like, the backpack, you know, nerdy, like, rap ever with, like, Kanye, Lupe, uh, Pharrell. And I feel like they had, like, their era, too. And I, now I feel like we're transitioning back to like the gangster era but you know it's either a lot of cap or you know some people are for real about it too in, in the streets but i don't know like these these artists a lot of them are not believable like i look at them and, I, and i'm like you don't look like a gangster to me you don't look like the gangsters that i've seen growing up or the rappers that claim that they were gangsters you know one thing i always say on my favorite rapper tupac he passed away, died at the age of 25. And to this day, his voice and his appearance don't look like he, like a 25-year-old from today. He looked like, he's, he looked and just sonically his voice like a 35-year-old man, you know, like more mature. I feel like, which is good. He had a lot of wisdom. Yeah. I also feel like the positive side as we, as generations, like now 2020 and then 2030, I feel like people are starting to look more younger. And so now yeah. you have all these um, young, super masculine, and it's just all this testosterone and super energy and, and maxing out to the fullest. And it's over the top with violence. It's over the top with worshiping the enemy, not to get religious. But it's just so, it's just like just dark, heavy messages. I'm like, you know, because mm -hmm. where's the balance? No, that is a fact. And the record labels don't help either. They fucking influence that shit even more into their head. Because a lot of them are like fucking misguided and shit too. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the words. It's, in the, it's, it's out there. Drill music. Like, we're drilling something to you. Like, we're drilling something in your brain. It's mental and conditioning. At the end of the day, what, is, what kind of conversation are you trying to have with the world? 
And when you're like 80 years old and you're blessed to, to get to that age and look back, can you listen to your own music? Are you, are you going to be able to play that, that album to your daughter? Do you want your daughter to Shit. go out with somebody with those ideologies when she's of age? Mm. You see, that's the type of time Not I'm only... on. These, these dudes are 19 and I respect it because I was out there. I'm not no Scarface, but I've been around a lot of stuff. And I just know the mentality and the age. And I was smart enough to not go deep into anything that would jeopardize my life or where I'm at right now. No, exactly. Same here. Like, I was around a bunch of, like, crazy shit because, like, my grandma. Like, because my grandma's from the fucking streets. And, like, after I seen all that shit, I was like, yo, I don't want nothing to do with this shit. And I want to go, like, another route, like a positive route. And thank God for fucking hip-hop. Because that, you know, hip-hop, like, you know, it made me go the right direction. Like, I wasn't talking about, like, you know, guns and drugs and shooting places up. Like, I, you know, I was talking about my real fucking life. And that's, you know, what's missing in hip-hop nowadays. Exactly. It's crazy. Because a lot of people are claiming and holding on to the idea that, yeah, I am a gangster. So this is the story I got to tell. This is the only story I have to share. But it can't, it can't just be that, that. Every album that comes out is either about I'm super Scarface, just catchy, gimmicky music. Like, where's the balance? That's all I'm asking for. Shit, bro. Same here. Same <laughs> fucking here. <laughs> now, you interviewed me a couple of times for Bottoms Up Social, which was fucking great. And we also did the big showcase at City College and also a couple of times at the bookstore in Washington Heights. Now, as a podcaster now, I think you should bring Bottoms Up Social back, but as a podcast. Mm. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny you say that because for a while, I mean, and that was a passion of mine. Like, I did that from the heart. I did that during the time when a lot of people was asking stuff from artists just to network with them. Like, during that time, people would, you would have to sell tickets or pay to be mm -hmm. a feature or, like, like, kiss ass to be a feature or, Facts. you know, like, jump through hoops just to be on somebody's show. And if you get to be on somebody's show, and I'm saying this from experience because I'm an aspiring artist myself. So I, I, that's that's a major reason why I did the radio and I did the showcase open mics because of my experiences that I was having in my journey of people telling me no or people giving me half-assed service or people being fake. And that's how all that stuff came about one by one. The radio was something I always like dreamt about because I grew up watching Save by the Bell and the Save by the Bell, they had their own radio, their own radio station in the school. And that's something that I always admired. And once I figured that out, that that was available in City College, I jumped on that quick and everything just fell into place. And then I realized I could use this platform to really speak. But I feel like I was ahead of the game and a lot of stuff. It's just that I was... I was juggling too much. I was going to school. Mm. I was a full-time college student. I lived on my own. I was pursuing my, my rap dreams because that's the, number, that's the number one part of my dream. That's the priority part of my dream to master my, my rap skills and be able to have a platinum album and add to the culture. You got to do a lot of work. And I always learned that you got to be in that world as much as possible. And also, I want to give back. I want it to be a two-way mm -hmm. street where I'm giving back to the culture and not just thinking about myself because I feel like, you know, whatever you put out to the universe will come back to you. And I'm a person that I, I like to plant seeds. I, I never did these things. Just, like right now, you, you bless me. You put me on your show. Like we, we ain't got to be here. You don't have to do this. But you, you know, maybe you 
thought about like, oh wow, he looked out for me, Matt Town. Now I'm gonna look out for him. But that's not why I did those things. Excuse me, like when I this opportunity happens where we me and you can link up today and talk. Nah, not only that, bro, like once I started this podcast back in May, I literally like wrote a whole list down of people I truly want to have on this show. And you was definitely the first people on my list. And it was all about the timing. And, you know, this was perfect timing because I know I, I seen you like doing a lot. So I was like, all right, I'm definitely going to get him. Yeah. It's just respect, brother, like because you have done a lot of things for our culture, which is hip hop. And I'm giving you your flowers right now because you have absolutely done a lot. And not only that, you put a lot of people fucking on, especially when you were doing Bottoms Up Social and the showcases. You brought fucking talent. Yeah, appreciate and that. And just, you know, a lot of hell yeah bro and a lot of promoters they all about the money and that's why they have whack-ass showcases that nobody wants to go to but you put fucking like the most talented people you can ever see in fucking hip-hop and if on i the have radio. money I, that that first showcase in city college it was a a, a a space of 300 seats we filled that up um there was a lot of negative stuff behind the scenes with the people that that i had to network to organize the event like, we had one group that couldn't perform because of, of like, the, the politics of how they set up the time for me. It was, a lot, it was overwhelming. In the time, yeah, like you said, like, people was asking for money, and I couldn't do that. But I see why now people charge money. Because yeah. I did all of that. It's not that I'm counting or I think about it. It's just so much time has passed on that. And, and I've always kept on my personal journey as an artist. And it just be, like, you would think that the people you connect with throughout all this time would, would like recognize what you're doing as an individual. But at the same time, I know what I signed up for. That's not what I did it for. But with time itself, you realize, like, you see why people charge. Because at the end of the day, we all got to get paid. Bills got to get paid. This, this dream is not cheap. This dream is not free. But even with that being said, moving forward, I would still do it for free because I'm all about the culture. But I definitely have learned the lesson why people charge. I was going to say, like, a lot of labels and managers have been, like, reaching out to me, like, independent ones, about, you know, giving their artists an interview. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. I had, like, one of them actually pay me. So, like, from there, I was like, nah, if you want your artists on, like, you have to pay up. Yeah, exception a few. But mostly, people don't value what's free. Blood, sweat, and tears. And it's like, okay. And, and it's just like anything in life. Why do you follow a certain artist or a certain individual on Instagram? Because you signed up to their lifestyle, to their culture. There's something about them. They didn't, they didn't, this person did not have to go to your DM and be like, yo, listen to my new song. Yo, leave me a comment. Yo, check, check this out. They didn't have to do none of that. You automatically follow, went through their IG story, went to their website. You know, you, you buy into it. And in this mm -hmm. culture, people only do what's beneficial for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand why people charge for the events and stuff. Because just that first event alone, to this day, there's one individual that kind of, like, sabotaged my event instead of really, um, like, you, you remember you had to come in and kind of, like, audition for it? Yeah, that yeah, I remember that. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. that's because they were like, oh, you're going to do an event here, blah, blah, blah. Well, I need to, you know, scout the talent. And I'm looking at this person like, okay, you're not Puff Daddy, but no problem. I'll do whatever it takes so I can get this, this space, <laughs> this, this big-ass stage that's gonna make every, it's going to make everybody feel like superstars, all were and are, and you guys deserved it. That's why I reached out to all you guys. 
out of everybody that I was meeting on these events throughout the five boroughs because I, I was performing <laughs> in every borough and even in Staten Island for like for years. Like, you know what I'm saying? And you guys were the best of the best and also your energy and you guys connected with me in a, in a way. Yo, it's funny you say that because I was like skeptical. I'm like, I know this is not Charlie Uptown's no. idea for us to audition. Like, he fucking knows that's, all of us. That's why we stopped. I'm glad I shared that. I mean, I have a lot of stories about that event and that night, but that's one of the things right there um, from the jump. But I'm glad I did it because they were very impressed. They probably thought whoever was going to show up was going to be, like, so-so. But you guys were all sharp. Nah, bro, that showcase was fucking amazing, and I was honored to be a part of that. So thank you again for <laughs> no that, No doubt, brother. no doubt, no doubt. Hell yeah, bro. Now, tell me about your acting career <laughs> and what you worked on. And it's crazy that we have not ran into each other yet on set. I know. <laughs> and I see you did for life as well, right? That's another dream of mine. I actually took acting class in City College. That's something I've always admired since I was a little kid. Even in, in, in elementary school, part of a play. In junior high school, part of stage production. Uh, I'm always been into movies and growing up in front of the television. I'm a movie head. I collect movies. I just love American pop culture and just television itself. Like the cable guy, Jim Carrey. Like, <laughs> like for real, like everything about movies. I just love being on set. It's the feeling that I get. It's, it's, it's like it's indescribable. But um, it goes hand in hand for me. Again, like, my favorite rapper is, is Tupac, and he was, like, the best rapper slash actor. Hell and yeah. It's all a part of the arts as well, and any, any form of artistic expression. And just like in my hip-hop journey, one opportunity, thanks to God, has been leading to another one. And it all popped off for me in 2019. My big break, and my first break was being on the, on the set of In the Heights, so Hell yeah. the movie was supposed to come out, but it's postponed because of COVID. And I, that's, that's my first acting job, background acting. It was filmed in my neighborhood, born and raised, Washington Heights. Cannot stress that more than enough. I'm on a block that I've like up and down my whole life. And just from there, it popped off. Like I got to be on For Life. Um, we filmed in Queens. We filmed in Staten Island. My most work, like I, out of everything I've done, I've done most, multiple days and certain shows and stuff, but for life, I did like five days. I did a few days in November, and that was an, an amazing experience. So many uh, humble people, cool people, approachable people. I'm talking about the actors, people on set, the main actor himself, the main star of the show, the words that he shared with me. I got to meet 50 Cent, somebody who I admired. He actually lives up to his persona, that, that whole, the New York City bad guy, like... <laughs> yeah, like he's not, he's not, he doesn't approachable vibe. But thank God, like he always shook my hand. He spoke with me. He owes me a picture. Um, he said he got, he said he got me. But he didn't want to take a picture because he had like like bandages and blood. And he didn't want to give up what was gonna happen to his character or whatever. Um, so that was cool. That that was beautiful. <laughs> like an amazing experience. I cherish that a lot because I believe that's my most on-screen time, my most work working days on set. But from there, I got blessed to do other shows. I got to be on The Politician, that's on Netflix. I got to be on the show Billions, that's on Showtime. Another show that's on Quibi, but Quibi just shut down. So stuff like that. But then COVID hit. 
I was blessed with the momentum of just boom, 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 picking up work. And then COVID hit. And now anybody that's trying to get into the business, you think it's hard to get a, a gig, get a role, get a job. It's harder now. They're being very picky who they pick because you can't have so many people on, on set. That's a fact. And especially if you're not SAG. Like, I'm blessed and fortunate that I'm SAG, so I've been getting work a lot. But like, that's another question I was going to ask you. Um, have you joined SAG yet, or are you still uh, working I'm, as non-union? I'm still non-union. Been like, very surprised and blessed and lucky for all the jobs that I've gotten, being non-union back-to-back like that. But uh, I heard it's hard getting SAGs. You got to get those vouchers. And I'm like, how you get a voucher? I've asked everybody on set. And it's like, they just give it to you. You just got to be at the right place by right time. I'm like, okay. Now, let me give you advice, because <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. You don't need all three vouchers. Like, you know, it, it does come in handy, but there's a shortcut way, you know, to become eligible to join SAG. So how I got it is basically that time I had that speaking role on that um, Truth Orange commercial, the anti-tobacco okay. commercial. That's how I became eligible for SAG, because I spoke on it. So if you speak on a commercial TV yeah, show yeah. or movie, yeah. then you're automatically eligible for the join yeah, side. That's the quickest way. Yeah. So as soon as you can, bro, trust me, join as soon as possible because you will be very, very blessed. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've heard. I, I see on, when I'm on set, you guys get all the perks. Yeah. You know, first <laughs> online, first to check out. You get the better catering. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> We're fucking privileged and shit. I was like, I've never felt this privilege in my fucking life, bro. Because <laughs> I grew up in the hood. So, like, being, like, that, like, privileged when, when, like, after joining SAG, I was like, yo, what the fuck? This is crazy. And it's not only that. It's just you, you get fucking a pension. You get fucking great health care. So, and Charlie Uptown, my brother, as soon as you're eligible, join Thank you. SAG. That's I, my I best will, advice. It's, this is a... It's a passion of mine, so hopefully God will continue to bless me on this journey. Let's see what pops off for 2021. Fuck yeah. I have a great feeling, my brother. Definitely, definitely. Now, I ask every single guest on this show this question. Are you ready for this question? Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have you ever smoked weed? Yeah. Now, you from Washington Heights. I know you have one funny weed story that pops in your head. Wow. Funny weed story to pop. Well, yeah. I mean, this is... It comes with the territory. Uh, you know, we're chilling on the block. Everybody's like, who who got for the cypher? You know, the pitching. <laughs> Everybody's, you know, we're trying to rally up the dough. All right, we, we got the bread. We're going to go cop on this block. And then we're going to walk right to the park, to the usual spot. And there's a few of us, right, like chilling on the block in front of the building, and we're ready, like, to leave. And there's always one, one in particular, that that be like, oh, man, I ain't got for the cypher, right? Because we're already asking, like, yo, who got? And this one individual <laughs> is already, you know, he's like, I don't got. So, okay, he's not part of the cypher. So, like, all right, yo, we out. We see you later. He'll like, he be like, nah, yo, fuck that. Like, I'll go with you anyway. I got nothing to do. And you know, you know what happens, right? <laughs> The person, the person the who said that didn't have no chippings for the cipher eventually ends up smoking for free. Like, dude, <laughs> like, it's, let's say, like, there's, no, there's five of us, and four of us got five for it, and we about to walk away. And because you, you already said you don't got, so you just volunteer yourself out of the group, out of the cipher. All right, all right homie, we about to go to the park. We, we catch you in a few. 
Like, not nah, F that, F that, fuck that. Let me, let me go with you guys. I got nothing to do. <laughs> and this person always ends up smoking. How about another, another <clears throat> um, one homie in the group? He actually sells bud, but his bud is not that good. It could be Naima <laughs> Reggie. It's just like some really whack ass haze. Like, it's not haze. You know, this, the different levels, you know, you could buy black work haze and it's not that pure, it's not that piff. I'm saying slang giving up how long I've been part of the culture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anywho, so right, this individual he got he got work, and he's part of the crew. He's homie, and we know that it's not fire like that. But he's homie, so we support. So throughout the day, mad time throughout the day. Let's say we cipher five times throughout the day that we're chilling, right? As the, as a clique, maybe one for sure will cop from him because he's already with us, and we're gonna support. And we don't have to walk to the block. And plus, we smoke in his crib anyway. So he, he, got, he gets first dip on us copying for him. Mind you, we do this all the time, support you, knowing that your shit is whack. And throughout the day, we, we, we mix it up. We go to the block and get the fire shit. On this round, we want to get the fire shit. He's like, he's like, yo. And I'm like, yo, all right, who got for the site? And he's like, yo, you know, I got that, right? And I'm like... I felt bad to this day. I think about it because, like, the way I spoke to him, I had to like, I didn't curse him out or yell at him, but it was very stern and firm in front of people outside. Like, yo, your shit is whack, and you know it, and we already support it, but we cannot be buying this shit all day every day. We're trying to get high. <laughs> so those are two stories. I leave their name out of it. I leave the block out of it. But yeah, my experiences. And Washington Heights growing up when it comes to the culture of smoking weed. You lose your lighter all the time. Oh, that's a fact. That is a fact. Oh, man. If I could get a dollar for every lighter I lost, oh, Same man, I'll be a Me and you chilling right and, and you want to light it because it went off. That's it. My lighter's gone. And it's not and, and it's <laughs> you as an individual. It's just a false habit that it's just comfortable. You put it right no, in the No, it is. Yeah, no, trust me. Like, we stole, like, a bunch of lighters from our friends, our loved ones. Like, trust me, we have. <laughs> but, but not intentionally. It was just a mistake. Yeah. It's just a habit. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, bro. So what do you want your legacy to be? Wow. I want it to be my daughter could be proud of, something I could pass mm. down to her, something that she could pass on to, to her family, pretty much. And, and out of that, I, I want to be an instrument, to be a tool for, for the greater good, to be a service, to relay a message, to have a positive conversation with the world. And that tool, I've always felt because it's the culture that I grew up in. It's the culture that I participate in. I participate within this culture my whole life. A painter paints, a bird chirps and flies. You, know, you have to do what makes you feel happy and alive. And at the end of the day, you can't lie to yourself. And only time will tell enough to have the courage and fortitude to build that legacy and not even to, to build it, but also to recognize what that legacy is and what it should be. And hopefully it's just something that my daughter could be proud and she could build on it. And, and I hope that the means of fame that you could get through music or Hollywood or TV would just be a stepping stone to be able to do the, the greater work that I would love to accomplish in this lifetime. It's just, it's just a pedestal to put you out in the forefront because we all want exposure. We all want attention in some shape or form. 
And if you don't have an audience, it's like that saying, if you're not, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound, right? Like, does it make a sound if you're not there to hear it? And so therefore in this life, I feel like no matter what it is, but especially for you and I, you have a podcast, you make music, you're an actor, you need an audience. Yes, you could do this by yourself. I don't need no help. I can do it by myself. Shout out to Keon's old track that he was tearing up in the hood. That's what I want to give to the world, to my daughter, to my wife, to my family. Something positive that they can always look back and celebrate it with me whenever our time is no longer here on earth and our future generation can cherish it and, pass, and keep passing it down. Because like the great Nipsey Hussle said, this is a marathon, you know what I mean? And we got to keep it going. Mm-hmm. That's right. The marathon continues. Well fucking said. That was beautiful, man. Now, since you are a parent, I always hear this a lot, and I'm not a parent yet, and hopefully one day I will be. Is it true, like, once you become a parent, that you're just completely selfless and it's not about you anymore? It's all about the child and, like, just raising that child to be the best that they can be. Yeah, it's all about, it's all, it's all about the child. Mm. Uh, I mean, my daughter's been with us already for three weeks, by the grace of God. And it's all been about, she's the boss. That's all I say. She's the boss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nowhere really to go right now because of the whole pandemic. That's one. Second of all, she's a newborn. Been pretty much in the crib, home. It's mostly because of her. I mean, before she was born, we'll go a lot to the park and take our walks and, and still go out to eat and sit mm. outside. Or maybe sit inside with the mask on, mask off, whatever the rules and stuff. But now since she's here, we think about her first, the way we move and everything. Even myself, personally, everything I'm doing now, like my new album that I'm working on, uh, anything that I'm participating in now, the way I want to present myself on, excuse me, on social media, is just thinking about her. So yeah, it's, it's real. Shit, bro. What is the most challenging thing as a new father? That's a hard question. Like so far that, he, that well, you've been dealing with? <laughs> I don't know, because it's a blessing. I really don't want to complain. I, I don't find it hard because this is something I always wanted, to have my own family, to have, my, to have a child. I'm the oldest of my siblings, so I, I've helped raise my younger siblings. I've actually owned a daycare for like three years, so I've worked with babies and children from six months to high school kids. I used to be a tutor, a in-home tutor all over the Bronx. I would come to your to your house and tutor your child for like an hour or two. I used to be a camp counselor, summer camp, like a summer school teacher as well. So I've had a lot of experience with, with children of all ages, but now I finally have my own. I don't know, I don't, I can't really say a challenge. It's just, a, every day is different. Every time you think you, you, mm. you figure her out, she shows you, like, uh, I'm still learning myself, so we're going to be learning together. And my job right now is protect, provide, help my wife, make sure she's happy. Those are challenges, but if you love your family, you wouldn't really look at it as a challenge. Exactly. That's like, you know, doing what you love. You don't see it as work because you're yeah, just somebody doing what you love. Yeah, somebody else will be like, wow, I, I thank God I don't got no kids right now. I can't deal with that because, yes, yeah, she's... she's since she's been born, I haven't really been sleeping much, but that's okay. Like, I'm not complaining, complaining about that. Like, that's cool. Yeah. No, because you're loving course, every moment yeah. of it. And it comes with the territory and mentally prepared for that. And if you know about babies and you're eager to have your family and your children, you're not going to feel like it's a complaint or it's a burden. 
Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah, bro. But brother, now tell us about the music. What have you been working on? What's coming soon? Put all it all right. out there. The music is a journey. And I'm, I'm a student of the game. I'm very honest with myself. I, I'm all about growth. And I feel like every time I step forward, I step out, it's to show and prove to myself and to finally master my skills and master my sound. And I feel like every attempt is leading towards that goal. Like in 2020, I have a big, uh, I had a big opportunity to be on Styles P, hip hop legend from the locks. He has a, a mixtape series called Ghost Bars where he's promoting underground talent. So it's presented by him. And I have a song called Spider-Man on that. To me, that's, that's a big blessing, especially I've met him. So the energy is, is, is genuine. Like having the support from a legend, even big or small, but that's enough to put the battery in my back to keep, keep it moving forward because every year is different challenges pursuing this, this dream, especially independent, especially with no team because everything, I do it by myself and I don't mind some help. You feel me? We all need some help sometimes, but sometimes you got to show and prove like, like your old song. You could do it by yourself. And, and that's what I've been doing. I've been on this journey by myself for a long time. And now having a daughter, I want to sum all that up. Like right now, I'm very mm. critical of my music and what I've done in the past in terms of the level of skills, the presentation of it, the, the audio quality, uh, the, the visibility of the, of the music itself, are people even aware of it being out there? Does it represent me? The, is it on brand? You feel me? Like, do I still think like that? If I play you, if I play mm-hmm. my first Charlie Uptown mixtape of 2013, I'm saying the N-word a couple of times. Then I became more conscious of that on my second mixtape as Charlie Uptown. Because I had other music, but I wasn't using the name Charlie Uptown early on in, in my career or coming up. And so I've just been on a journey being mindful, what's my message from not using profanity. I got to the point where I don't use no profanity at all. And I'm still talking about anything and everything, just not, not one curse word at all. No M-bomb, no F-bomb, no nothing. And now it's even more deeper than that. Now it's like, what's, what's the conversation I want to have with the world? And so long story short, the album that I'm going to, God willing, drop this year, I'm titled, it's titled God's Jedi because I feel like we need a positive message out there. We need God's soldiers out, out here in the forefront. We need people mm-hmm. to represent the essence of hip-hop. And, and, and hip-hop has always been something positive, a source of storytelling, a source of healing, a source of, of forecasting, broadcasting, like just shedding light on a lot of topics, being true to oneself. Like Biggie said, if you, ain't, if you ain't, don't talk about it if you ain't live it. And that's ironic, he said that, but God bless Biggie. And that's the whole point with God's Jedi, is delivering a positive message, a positive, having a positive conversation with the world, and also letting you know mm-hmm. where I stand. I drew the line in the sand. And I, like I was saying it early, like I said earlier, to bring it full circle, I feel like the message in hip-hop, mainstream hip-hop right now, is so diluted and polluted with a lot of evil, dark energy, kids just worshiping the enemy, I'm on demon time, I'm on this, and it's like, whoa, you know, and I don't Mm. understand where 
saying that you believe in Jesus is corny or but riding with the enemy is cool not to get religious but that that message is so heavy music that is ridiculous so I'm a big Star Wars head this is the the whole (laughs) Jedi part like I'm God's instrument I'm God's battle axe I'm God's messenger and what are Jedi Jedi represent the light right and Star Wars it represents the believer of God and if you and if you're a Sith that's the that's the enemy that's the dark energy that's you on demon time right I feel like we don't have enough rappers talking about, and I'm not talking about being a Christian rapper or making this, making the church album either. No, I'm talking about like what I grew up to, Nas, Wu-Tang, Tupac. They all had that message, but still mm-hmm. it got blended with the whole gangster persona. I'm not no gangbanger, so, and I'm not no drug dealer either, but I grew up around all that stuff and that's part of my story. Mm-hmm. And so therefore my hip hop is raw straight from New York. And I have a message to say. And I have my own pain and struggles that I've dealt with my whole life. So therefore, it's poetic. It's emotional. It's always in reference to God and just being positive. I guess just conscious. I'm making a pure conscious album and just showing what side I'm representing in this time in the world where we don't have that representation in mainstream hip-hop. I really don't know anybody personally that makes music like that. Uh, I've met people that kind of touch on it. I'm making it into a theme album. And for me, it's very special because I wrote the album in less than five days. It's four songs, four original songs. And they were all like divine intervention. The words just like just flew out, bomb, 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 effortlessly. Boom. And it's this guy's Jedi. I mean, I call myself the hip hop messenger because hip hop, because I don't like the term rapper. I don't like calling myself a rapper because I'm not a rapper. I'm an artist in the sense that I like to express myself through the arts. I'm not a poet, but yet my expression is through poetry in a sense. You feel me? Like, I don't like labels because the, the, the label puts you, you have to live up to people's expectations. So if I say I'm a rapper, right. like, I don't know what you're going to expect from, by me saying that. But if I tell you I'm the hip hop messenger on God's Jedi, on brand with that. And that's the whole point. Exactly. That's who you are. That's exactly. That's so who that's you are. Part of mastering Hell yeah, your skill, bro. mastering that self is knowing who you are. So that way you're confident in front of the world within your message and, and your presentation because you're true to yourself. And therefore you can always, and you need to have a source. And that's the source that I want. You know, everything else is practice and figuring it out. And, and I just want to leave my mark with that. If it work, if it don't work, I don't care. It's a message that I felt that I was inspired by God and through my own life and something to share with my daughter and something to add to hip hop and something I could be proud of. And whether it is my last thing that I ever do or the only thing that you could hear from me sonically, musically from me on the internet, if it's that, I'm happy, you know? So God's Jedi, mm. look out for that. All original production. Hell yeah, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Beautiful way to close this out. Beautiful way to close this out. Now, my brother, Charlie Uptown, tell the people where they can yo, find yo, you. Yo, yo, y'all can find me at Charlie Uptown at all sorts of network, charlieuptown.com. I'm very easy to find, Charlie Uptown, one word. That's simple, bro. Just find me. Connect. Let's build. Don't follow Shit. me. Shit. Connect. Hell me. yeah. You know, I don't like the whole following. Follow your belief. Follow yourself. Follow your dreams. But connect with me. Connect with the hip hop mm. messenger. Connect with Keon. Hell yeah, bro. Well fucking said. Well fucking said. My brother, you are definitely 
a gem. You are definitely the hip hop messenger of hip hop culture. You are definitely an important figure in hip hop. And thank you so much for being a part of this. Like I said, I have much love and respect for you. And I know you're going to do amazing things in this fucking crazy Yo, world. Keon, I truly appreciate the opportunity you reaching out. This is very humbling for me. You are a bright star. I've always believed in you. That's why I always reached out and shared some of the biggest opportunities I've had, the platforms that I was able to, to be a part of. And I always reached out to you because I believed in your talent. And that's what's important to me is talent being recognized. And, and also letting know that, that hip-hop, underground hip-hop, I should say, New York underground hip-hop, we got some stars out here that need that needs some exposure. And Facts. I appreciate you saying that, man. Truly appreciate it. I appreciate the interview. I appreciate the energy. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, man. This was, this was very cool. Nah, hell yeah, bro. And once this whole COVID shit is over, we definitely got to do an in-person interview, especially when your album drops. Thank you. Yeah, I, I will appreciate that. No doubt, man. Shit, bro. All right, my brother. You have a good night and much blessings Yo, to you and your God family. God bless. Happy New Year and all the best to all your endeavors and aspirations in 2021. Peace and maintain, bro. You too, brother. Peace out, right, my peace. brother.